Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Baseball is in full swing. NBA playoffs are heating up. And your NFL team is gearing up for training camp. Listen to the latest on the teams you love here on the Odyssey app. The biggest sports radio stations in the country providing unrivaled local coverage of their teams all in one place. Exclusive interviews with players, coaches, and team executives streaming live and always available on demand. Stay in the know with your favorite teams right here on the Odyssey app. Filling in for Jeff Katz, John Burkett, the CBS 6 Crime Insider here on News Radio 1140, WRVA 96.1 FM, and around the globe on the Odyssey app. If you missed anything we talked about today, go back to that app. The clips will be uploaded shortly. Right There we go. Got the nod. I'm not lying to you. It's going to happen after the show, I'm told. We've had some very interesting guests here. Uh, kind of a different pace from what Jeff is used to doing, but uh, I take, uh, obviously, the law enforcement side because that's what I cover for a living. And I've got two of the greatest here with me right now in studio. Happy to have a, a retired assistant police chief from Henrico County, Jim Fitzgerald, and also my buddy Steve Neal, a retired captain from Chesterfield County and co-author of Bearing Witness to Evil with me. And, and, and really the reason why... I even jumped into that project was because Steve said, let's do it. And uh, he also is an author of Toxic Boss Blues. Hey, John, good to see you. Thanks for having me, Jimmy. Good to see you this afternoon. Always good to be with you guys. Well, guys, listen, uh, the reason why I want to have you on here is because you guys have so much experience, veterans in law enforcement. you kind of seen the waves of, of tragedy, so to speak, that we've been through in this area over the past three or four decades talk about what you guys are seeing out there now man it's just it's it's kind of a lack of respect thing and it's a younger generation that is uh, pulling these crimes off well certainly it's um it has changed a lot i uh i was one of those that came i came home in 73 during the vietnam conflict um it wasn't the warm homecoming that many of us would have liked but i found while i was in the police academy how many people were veterans so I kind of felt like, and I still do, there's a certain way that individuals that go into law enforcement are wired. Um, I don't know what the statistics are today, how many veterans are, are staying in law enforcement. I know there was a lot when I started. Um, I think there's social media plays a lot into it. Everybody has a camera phone. And there, it's just probably – never been more important for there to be leadership in the organizations there to be community engagement so that they're working together and that seems to be if i hear complaints from the officers is in many ways they don't necessarily feel they're supported and and that's a tough place to be with the job they do right and morale issue is morale is key in an organization like law enforcement because if you don't have morale you don't have much 
I agree with Jimmy. I, I think it's a matter of support, and that goes uh, from the department, the people who are leading that department, whether they support their officers, but also all through the community. It goes to your Commonwealth attorney uh, and goes to the people of the community. And, and right now I think we're in a kind of a rough time for law enforcement. I don't think we've got the level of support that we want it to be. You said in years past, and we've talked about this, you know, you, you have something like uh, – September 11th the tragedy that happens and the country rallies around law enforcement that seems so distant man it seems like it's long gone well you know I, what I see is I believe we're on a failed experiment and this country has been through a some experiment like this similarly uh, years ago it's an ideology it's a way of thinking and uh, right now we've gone away from the law and order and the idea of doing what's right and so forth. And I, I think that's going to cycle back around at some point. I think the average person, the average citizen is going to say enough. We've had enough. And they're going to go back to supporting their law enforcement officers. And when they do, the police can do the job. The police have the skills and they have the people to get the job done. What they don't have now is that broad community support. What do you think, Jim? I think that's at least the perception from the officer, the lens he's looking through, he or, he or she that's looking through, doesn't feel it. They don't feel it um, like we did, right, when um, people would walk up to you in a restaurant and thank you for the job you did. I don't know that that's still out there. I'm sure in many cases – uh, and I know the officers appreciate that when somebody just takes the time to say, I really appreciate what you guys are doing. Um, but like you said, and you're exactly right, it's not one thing. Um, the police are part of the community, always have. And when the originally the principles of law enforcement outlined the community involvement, and that's, that's what we've got to get back to, and we have to have that. But it's also incumbent upon leadership in the government, um, whether it's county government, city government, because if the top officials in an organization if they don't feel that they're communicating and they don't feel that they're being supported then it's easy for that to transcend through the ranks um so there's a lot of playing in here um where you've got that communication flow and that leadership piece and it's it's all it's all through the permeates through the entire organization well, we've we've seen the past with Richmond police. The number of vacancies they've had has been astronomical the past couple of years. I finally think they're getting back on the right track with Chief Rick Edwards as as the top man. But you're talking at one point they were down 155 police officers. The sheriff's department in Rico County is down 100 officers. I think it's crazy. Recently, I spoke with John Vadokis from. Um, Henrico County, uh, he's a super Henrico County uh, manager, and, and it's cut five here, and this is about police vacancies. It comes to the training, the accreditation requirements or standards that, you know, our police department has, the equipment that we provide our folks is always going to be top tier, the pay that, that they receive, um, but also the expectations that we have of police officers when they're in community when they're in the community, very high. But right now, what we are seeing, it, we're not seeing it as acutely as some other localities in the region as far as the number of vacancies or in the state. But even so, our, our police department has 53 vacancies right now. 53 vacancies. Steve, what's your take on that? 
Well, let me tell you what my opinion is. And between uh, Mr. Fitzgerald and myself, we've got about 75 years of law enforcement experience in this community. And I'm going to tell you, the things that the manager just said are true. Uh, those things are important, your training and your pay and things like that. That is true. But they, they are not the primary issue. Uh, when you have an agency that has a large turnover problem and a large vacancy problem, then that agency has a toxic boss problem. Because when you have a situation where, and in my book, Toxic Boss Blues, I talk about that. If you got a lot of turnover and you got a lot of people leaving and you're having a hard time bringing people, you got an issue at the top. And I'll just use a couple of local examples. In fact, you said Richmond PD is starting to turn that around because I think right now, from what I hear from people in the community and officers on that department, that's a good chief. They like that chief. Uh, Chesterfield chief, very well respected. Uh, they're not having the same type of issues, even though they may have it to a certain point. So uh, the manager's correct in what he said. Those things are important, but the, the man or woman at the top has an awful lot to do with it. And, and Jimmy, you've always said, too, then, is that you can't, lower, you can't get caught lowering your standards. Absolutely not. The, uh, historically, I, I have been in Board of Supervisor meetings where um, different chiefs over the years knew they were short, knew that they were having uh, problems recruiting, but they wanted to stay the course. They might put more effort into the recruiting. But the consensus opinion within the organization was we'd rather work short than to work with people who are not up to the, a challenge, that, that, that meet the standard. If you look at agencies historically that have lowered their standards, within about a five-year window, those same officers have become disciplinary problems. And no agency can afford, but uh, so much, but so much litigation. And um, if you look back, <clears throat> uh, and you're looking at an incident, one of the things that the attorneys are going to look at is the history of that officer with that agency. And so it's so important for them not to open up a file and see that this officer has several transgressions. Um, because that doesn't speak well for the organization, and it gives the organization a bad name. News Radio 1140 WRVA 96.1 FM. John Burkett filling in for Jeff Katz. We're here with Jim Fitzgerald, retired assistant police chief with Henrico, uh, retired captain and co-author of Bearing Witness to Evil, Steve Neal. We'll be right back after the break and continue our conversation about crime in the Metro Richmond area. Fitting, solving crime music there. 520 Thursday afternoon, August 17, 2023. John Burkett filling in for Jeff Katz. This afternoon on News Radio 1140 WRVA 96.1 FM and all across the globe on the Odyssey app. With me, Jim Fitzgerald, retired assistant police chief with Henrico. My buddy, Steve Neal, retired captain from Chesterfield, also co-author of our book, uh, Bearing Witness to Evil. Wanted to jump right in because we were talking during the break and about what's important. And, you know, when I search through uh, the Facebook posts that I make about certain crimes in the area, and to what Steve said earlier, I think folks are finally getting to a boiling point where they are tired of the violence. And they're asking, why can't you put a little bark behind the bite, and why can't authorities put them behind bars where they belong? Always leads to the discussion of Project Exile. It was a very... Um, uh, 
reliable program back in the 90s when, when Richmond was the murder capital of, of the country. And, and both of you gentlemen were heavily involved uh, in, the, in that project. So talk about why can't we see something like Project Exile come back and, and, and discuss, I guess, one of you take it first off, what Project Exile was. Well, one thing that's important about Project Exile started right here in Richmond. It was a, a, a relationship between the Richmond Police Department, and they had a unit called Narcoside, and they were made up with probably the best of the best of RPD, homicide narcotics detectives. Uh, the DEA came in, Drug Enforcement Administration came in with a violent drug trafficker program with a lot of funding. The ATF were there very active with Project Exile. And what, we, what was occurring in the region is if someone would be arrested on a drug offense and found to have a gun, the U.S. attorney would prosecute them for the gun because they were minimum mandatories. Uh, so you could have the gun alone was a five-year a, a five time in a federal penitentiary. The other piece, too, that was very important is these heads of these organizations were going to federal penitentiaries in other locations, other states. So it wasn't the revolving door of being in the Richmond City Jail. They were now in federal custody in another state. And I can tell you about two or three gangs in the Blackwell area that were decimated because the lead people in those organizations were taken into federal custody. One case you don't hear much about is the FBI initiative during the same time with weed and seed. Same type of situation of going into uh, these communities that were impacted by crime, a lot of crack cocaine at that time, and and violence, and to do heavy enforcement, prosecute at the federal level when appropriate, and also then come back in with more re- rehabilitative programs, not necessarily for the offender, but for the community, education, uh, and those types of things. So there was a, a tremendous outpouring of support and regionalism that worked it really did work so i ask myself this all the time we had the recipe right here in richmond virginia i don't know the answer i don't know whether our officials are not asking the right questions they're not making the demands i will tell you that we we benefited from that regional cooperation then there's certainly no reason not why we shouldn't repeat that and the laws are still on the books yeah, I think uh, Jim's right on a target 100%, but there's one other thing that I think that made that program kick and be as effective as it was, and that is it was selective enforcement. Now, today, you know, sometimes people get a little queasy and you start talking about, oh, you selected, you're going after certain people and that. Well, we absolutely went after certain people, but we went after the bad guys that were hurting people with guns. So we didn't go after anybody because of what their ethnicity was or the color of their skin or anything. We had, that had nothing to do with it. We targeted the bad guys in the community who were hurting people with guns. And when you started taking those few individuals, everybody knows that there are a small percentage of people who committed a large percentage of violent crimes. Everybody knows that. So good police tactic is to go after that small percentage of criminal, the bad guys, and take them off the street. And Project Exile was very effective at that. You, you took bad guys with guns and you put them in prison. And it wasn't only guns, from what I was told, is if you had ammunition on your body, 
Correct. You were gone. That Correct. Was a, that was an enhancement, which, again, benefited in a prosecution because the gun charge alone was five years. Just a gun. If they were a convicted felon, you added time. If it, they was you're done, talking mandatory sentences. Mandatory sentences in the federal system. Because at that time, Virginia still had probation, a parole of about a seventh of your time. So some of these um, kingpins that you guys were, were catching in the net – they were sending them out to Idaho, and you couldn't go. Vi- you had to have a lot of money to go visit your friend out in Idaho. Hundred uh, percent. One of one of the cases I spoke of earlier, the subject was sent to a federal penitentiary in Ohio. Um, once the leader and the leadership have gone into the organization, it decimated their organization. It's important too that these initiatives, the payoff for these initiatives is the reduction in crime, and you can see it if you look at the statistics. 90, I think it was 91, 169 homicides. Because of this full-court full press that was done regionally with all of the regional partners and the federal government, it was almost cut in half. Again, it's a sound principle. You've got a small number of bad guys doing a large number of violent crimes. You start taking those bad guys and sending them away for seven years, you have really made a difference in your crime rate in your community, and it worked. Well, look, like you said earlier, man, 75 years of law enforcement experience here. Uh, retired Captain Chesterfield Police Steve Neal, also co-author of Bearing Witness to Evil. You can get our book at bearingwitnesstoevil.com, also available on Amazon. Amazon, yes, sir. And we have uh, Chief Assistant Chief Jim Fitzgerald here uh, from Enrico County. You guys, thanks for joining me this afternoon. Pleasure to have you. And uh, we'll talk crime again maybe in the future. Thanks for having us thanks on. Thanks for having us. John Burkett filling in for Jeff Katz. We'll be right back after the break. We really need new phones. T Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s. And each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling account to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. Ctmobile.com. Baseball is in full swing. NBA playoffs are heating up. And your NFL team is gearing up for training camp. Listen to the latest on the teams you love here on the Odyssey app. The biggest sports radio stations in the country providing unrivaled local coverage of their teams all in one place. Exclusive interviews with players, coaches, and team executives streaming live and always available on demand. Stay in the know with your favorite teams right here on the Odyssey app. 